0: And I'll hand this over to Imran for our topic on agile funding and budding, budgeting. So, welcome, Imran, and the floor is yours.
1: Thank you, Sherry, um, and thank you everyone for uh, giving me the opportunity to be here with you and share my experience uh, in agile funding and budgeting space. Uh, I have been. Uh, practicing Agile since about 2008 Uh, and for last six years I have been working as an enterprise Agile um, consultant um, mainly in retail and banking Um, and I was fortunate to work with um, the strategy consultants like uh, BCG and McKinsey to um, implement full-scale enterprise Agile operating model and part of this uh, operating model uh, agile funding and budgeting is one of the key pillars Um, so uh, i would like to share a very high level of the framework and the process with you and uh, some of the common pitfalls that we need to be aware of and some of the quick start um, guidelines so as a scrum master or agile coach uh, you have the knowledge of high level framework to facilitate and coach the enterprise finance uh, pmo portfolio teams around uh, agile funding model Uh, because uh, it is them who do the heavy lifting and we as coach facilitate the process and uh, help them to create and reflect on the learnings Uh, so a couple of uh housekeeping rules before we get in so uh feel free to use the group chat function to post your questions um i'll try to pause and um, go over the questions and try to answer them and also there will be uh, three breakout sessions um, first one will be right after this uh, quick interaction um, among us, uh, and then followed by two uh, breakout sessions related to the Agile budgeting and funding. And then at the end, uh, there will be some time for Q&A, and sh- uh, then Sherry will t- take over to wrap up the uh, session. So, Sherry, we can uh, maybe take five minutes and uh, make a quick group, uh, break, create breakout rooms for uh, inter- interaction among ourselves in a small group.
0: Sounds great. I love that activity because we start out the gate getting to know each other. And so all of you will receive an invite to join a breakout room. However, before you say, wait, I'm leaving. I don't want to talk to other people that's okay if you prefer to stay in the main room just don't accept the invite and you'll be able to stay in here and then um, if you prefer to go to small groups please accept the invite and you'll jump into a room if you happen to get into a room where others didn't accept the invite don't worry I won't leave you there by yourself I will move you to another group where to make sure that you are able to collaborate so we'll be you'll get a signal in four minutes that you have one minute left in the breakout room and then so that will you can finish up your conversations and at any time you can leave the breakout room and join the main session when your one minute time limit is up it's gonna suck you back in here done or not so we'll see you again (laughs) in uh, five minutes so enjoy your introductions
2: And so welcome back, everybody, from your
0: breakout rooms. I see that some more of you have added your locations. And um, I will call out that I, we have another first time country on the call. We haven't had anybody here from France before. So Isame I, is, might be how you say your name. I probably have the accent way wrong. But um, welcome. And then, let's see, we've got um, Mexico represented, which is also a new country for our meetup. So, welcome. Thank you for joining us, um, Rod. And some more people have joined us from the UK, um, and a few more have joined from the United States. So, thank you everyone for joining, and Imran is going to jump into his topic on Agile Budgeting and Funding. You are on mute.
2: Thank you, Sherry.
1: Okay. So for today's uh, discussion, uh, I'd like to frame uh, our topics in three large buckets. Uh, First one is that um, what is our current funding model looks like and then what do we need to do to reframe our funding approach and why and then what are some of the high level approach and guidelines we as a coach can leverage to influence the business leaders and finance leaders to come together to create that uh, product line funding model So what is that good looks like? Um, So once you're able to influence your team uh, leaders and stakeholders and clients and bring them together, is that end of the day, you have a persistent teams around product lines where resources are going to be assigned for a long period of time and it will prevent the resource reshuffling uh, due to stop and go situation and also create enough flexibility within your product portfolio or program where you can uh, have the product owner or the product portfolio owner uh, be able to re- uh, relocate or readjust the funding based on how the market needs shifting. So this is a slide that depicts like when you implement a uh, customer experience based product model, and this is an uh, example from a financial services organization in their mortgage, um, what does it look like? And you can see uh, at a very high level um, customer is a persona, And you have this discover my needs, decision my application, complete my purchase. These are your customer touch points. And you have the recommendation, application processing, and fund disbursement, our teams. And you have this cross-functional skills from UI all the way to ops and support, and then shared services like PMO, enterprise architects, risk, uh, legal, and compliance. Um, So, in order to make this business uh, product organization model successful, we really need to have a mindset. We have to champion that mindset that uh, bring that customer centricity in our everyday conversation. Um, Is that the customer experience we want to do it? Is this how the customer experience should look like? are we talking about projects or our products? And at the end of the day, are we creating continuous improvement, leveraging agile principles, DevOps, and uh, delivery? And how are we all connecting the strategy to the execution through PMO or any other functions? And how we're enabling the enterprise architects to become Uh, agile architects where the enterprise agile architects are not doing all the architects upfront they're doing just needed so for that piece we really need to um, work with uh, the finance manager to help our the CIO team to help understand that successful agile organization, they pay attention to the interdependencies, hidden processes, and shared responsibilities to fund teams with the direct leadership or support from the CIO and business domain leaders. Uh, In most cases, the CIO organization leads the charge for budgeting, and funding discussion in collaboration with business and IT uh, and finance. Reason is that the business side and the finance side, they always don't understand the hidden dependencies that a product team has with enterprise systems. And also by cutting a Cutting budget across the line, how it impacts other enterprise uh, enterprise system, and creates the waste, and leaving the IT team or product team unable to respond to market change in a timely manner. For example, if you have a uh, when the enterprise leader decide between a big data marketing feed to their organization versus IT pro- proposal to reduce the unit storage cost the business will cut the IT proposal of unit storage cost proposal and then have the big data feed proposal but at the end of the day when you have the big data feed now your storage demand go up and overall your storage cost is going up so we need to be mindful about these hidden processes and interdependencies so now let's uh, look at uh, how the current project based funding limits the Scaled agile product development or digital product development, right? So the funding models currently used by finance or IT, uh, PMOs, uh, they provide <clears throat> very limited insight into how an organization uh, is actually spending its technology and our product budget. So each of the funding views outlined in this um, slide gives a very narrow and incomplete picture of the benefits of technology investment. And they come with a lot of uh, limitations uh, that do not allow full transparency uh, for investment prioritization, allocation, and monitoring mechanisms. For example, if you look to your right hand, uh, bottom right hand, um, that incomplete picture of enterprise technology spending. In general, nowadays the business leaders' uh, budget account for about one third of enterprise technology spending, and that is growing at a very fast fast rate. Um, and then the budget controlled by the CIO organization. Now, you see the three views we see here, portfolio management view, budget accounting, and financial accounting, it only often allow, apply to IT budget. And this does not give you give you the full view of the whole enterprise-wide investment that often leads into um, siloed uncoordinated and duplication of investments and it also complicates the integrations of technologies across enterprise leveraging uh, Technology assets and also compliance piece of it, and also it creates a rigid proce- uh, prioritization process um, that hinders flexibility and speed. Because mo- most of these fu- our current funding models use project-based allocation, with an expectation that the scope and benefit are known from the outset. So you define product scope, you define your resource, uh, software, hardware cost, and that's locked in. So when there is a ch- change need, you need to have a change request order. And that makes, very, makes for a team to reallocate the money between different categories very hard. And it creates that stop and go um situation for the team so this kind of mismatch means that there is going to be waste because you're not utilizing your resources you're constantly changing the context and it's leaving the product team and it organization completely honorable to respond to any fast change so you often hear uh, the t- chief digital officer is complaining about oh my product is not moving fast I mean how will how can you move the product development fast when you're recording change order for every five dollars difference I'm being uh, I'm exerting here but it is the type of mentality we have in most of the organizations. And then hidden technology and interdependencies, um, so when you are using or expanding the technology to drive business growth, and that creates the business needs, that creates the infrastructure Needs and costs. So as the business-led product development grow, there's it, it also increased need to integrate with other enterprise systems, and this adds to the complexity of the cost of underlying infrastructure, like how you're going to share the cost among different business units or so different products. And how do you think about investing in new technology? And by overlooking these interdependencies, leads to all sorts of unexpected budget impacts. And you feel like the finance team or the person is in charge of the money and then the product owner constantly shifting and juggling trying to figure out how best i can manage my product development so the product owner is spending more time managing finance than managing customer experience and also it hinders the understanding of the cost driver so when a product team submits a budget the business leaders or the cfo organization they don't completely understand the driver behind each of the cost component i mean they do understand like the license fees the hardware costs but the driver like the impact of one decision over another decision they don't really understand that well so that's why when I was uh, recommending that the CIL organization should lead charge, um, the charge, because then if the CIL organization uh, leading this funding and uh, um, budgeting with in partnership with business, they're in a much better position to explain the cost drivers behind each of the investment and empowering the executive team to allocate the investment in the right way. So the collaboration between CFO and CIO team is very important.
0: So Imran, we have a question. Isn't a traditional model more cost-effective or cost-optimum? So management likes to use that funding model. Say that again. Isn't the traditional model more cost-effective, and that's no. why people like to use it?
1: No, um, and reason uh, is because as you can see here that different organi- uh, different teams use different lands. TMO, uses portfolio management lens. Uh, APNA and a team use budget accounting. They're always looking for CapEx, OpEx, and the accounting team is looking for financial accounting. So there is a silo here. You cannot get a full view of what's all going on across enterprise. The only way you can get a view is through product funding, which cuts all the hidden, uh, which brings out all the hidden processes and interdependencies, and that allow the company to make the right decision. So it is just okay. A lot of organizations started using this gap accounting method, and they kind of forced onto a waterfall project without deliberating the efficiency of the flow. But with the agile and the lean concept, I see in the practice that there's always a lot of uh, waste. And when I set up the plan view to categorize the cost and educate the team, how to properly uh, report their cost, and we did the comparison side by side, um, the traditional um, way of budgeting it, it creates a lot of waste All right so Not only I from under- the money oh,
0: sorry if i so then if i understand your model here what you're saying is we have one it the traditional way is more complicated and more expensive because we're doing three things we've got one group of people looking at budgeting from transform, grow, run. So the portfolio, managing a portfolio, mm-hmm. at the same time, a different group is looking at CapEx versus OpEx, and that's what they care about. Mm-hmm. So that's more work to separate those things. And mm-hmm. then we have finance looking at ledger items. Um, this goes in this mm-hmm. line item, this goes consulting, hardware, cloud services. So they're looking more at line items. So because We're trying to do three different things all in there. That actually makes it more expensive and more complicated.
1: Right, right. And everybody is missing the main point, the business and the customer outcome.
0: Yeah, so we're funding things not for outcomes. We're funding them more worried about fitting them into our model, our funding model. Yes. Okay, that's interesting.
1: So in the next slide, so it was a great question uh, to move on to the next slide, Uh, this slide. So what I have seen work better and um, I've seen that in my previous client implement this um, much more at ease and it really streamlined uh, their budgeting process and it brought the people together. And it has many benefits. So one of the things is that the product or agile funding and budgeting, it all starts with customer experience. What are our top priorities? What are the objectives and key results? And then the product portfolio owners or the business domain leaders, they take the enterprise OKR and break it down to them to to their team and the conversation shifts differently because instead of telling oh last year I had three million and this year I should get 3.2 million we're now saying that in order to achieve two percent increase in net customer uh, net promoter score we need to spend this much money in these, 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 capabilities. And that conversation touches everybody within the enterprise. And that's when the conversation comes, okay, then what is that CapEx and OpEx looks like? And once you assign... CapEx and OpEx based on your scope, that's all you need. And you have JIRA, you have PlanView, or Rally, or version one. You train the teams on how to l- use CapEx and OpEx to th- log your time against. Everything becomes automated for the accounting team so here you can see once the product level OKR is set up then it moves to capabilities OKR so for example within the um, if you recall the first experience that um, helped me decide that recommendation engine so if recommendation engine is one of the capabilities what is that objectives and results we're expecting. And we're assigning the objective and metrics to the product managers or the product leaders and asking them, you're responsible for this result and what do you need from us? So you can see the shift from individual leadership to collective leadership, which is very essential for uh, agile team and this helps the and uh, leaders to shift their leadership style too because what does that mean collective leadership without any control so the control between the enterprise and product portfolio is this metrics and if you look at all the successful digital companies. Um, like Google or Facebook, you you share the OKR and you deliver your OKR. So, and that kind of walks you through that you do that enterprise OKR exercise annually and then you revisit that quarterly and bi-weekly. And through your tools and system, you can Close the loop between enterprise OKR and team
3: backlogs.
1: So, in this, the way the capital of the budget allocation works is most of the time, a third of the enterprise IT spending is funded by a business area budget. So, think about all the functionalities that you need to build. And IT budget comes for infrastructure. So what all the infrastructure that needs to put in place, things like automation, AI, or uh, CICD, cloud environment, those fall in the IT, uh, IT side. And then the maintenance and existing technologies, it also fall in IT budget, but there are some uh, exceptions that I will uh, discuss in the following slide.
0: Before you move to the next slide, we have one question about where does value stream fit in this? So if if a team, so if we have an enterprise, but they have four different value streams, is there another level that just squeezes in here between somewhere?
1: Yeah, value stream is your product, essentially your product line. So- If if I go back to the first slide, that value stream is based on customer experience. And if you have the um, cash to order, order to cash concept, where you're engaging with the customer, discover my needs, decision my applications, and complete my purchase, and your product Teams: our recommendation team, application processing team, and fund disbursement. And these are in a traditional. Say, for the way we understand value chain mapping, is it starts from recommendation, application processing, and fund disbursement because that completes the cycle of a mortgage.
0: Okay. So then in this case, we're actually in your model that you're showing here, it sounds like you're funding OKRs rather than whatever traditional, um, that really complicated traditional model.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, there's a, there's and
0: if you pass down through the, the, so at the enterprise level, you're saying mm-hmm. this OKR gets this bucket of money, this one gets that bucket of money, and then they just divide mm-hmm. that out as they go along.
1: Mm-hmm. And within that a recommendation and application processing and part disbursement, uh, one of the things that we do is um uh, benchmark of the capabilities and identify, okay, which capabilities are in green. That means it meets the market need or customer experience needs, and which are in yellow and red. And which are within that yellow and red, now let's prioritize. So in order to solve that OKR, we need to work on the yellow and red so the OKR can be very streamlined and create that differentiation in the marketplace.
0: Awesome, thank you. And I know this is a really complicated um, topic. uh, um, So if you all have other questions, let us know. We do have one question here that just popped in. What is the point on the slide on OKRs, how does it fit into your storyline? So I'm this this slide here. And Maru, if you if um if you want to explain a little bit more, if you want to come on and just ask your
2: question. Well, I, I could, but I would just be repeating the text. Uh, just to understand what's the point of this slide. Um, I mean apart from a hierarchy cascade of. Uh, Okay, I mean, what, um, I don't see the point with the, with regard to the um, agile budgeting slash funding um, story.
3: Right.
1: So this is kind of like a, your foundational piece that you need to have to activate your agile funding and budgeting um, initiative. And this gives you a uh, a hierarchical view on how to approach it so without it you'll not be able to have that um, product funding model discussion in my experience and I could be wrong
2: my question I guess is, is I don't see anywhere on a slide where it says what's the point I don't, I don't understand is this this slide supposed to say Let's fund OKRs or something because I I read all the bullet points, but I don't I don't get the point of the slide. Um,
1: uh, right. So it think about it. it it's a um, free slide to the main slide, which is coming up.
0: Okay. And it, so it sounds like really what's happening here is you're saying stop funding creating that. Start funding project. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, okay, so fun products, not projects.
1: Right. Okay. And how, how does that work in a larger context?
0: Okay, thanks.
2: Thanks.
1: How are we doing uh, in terms of timing, Sherry? Sorry. You're on mute, Sherry.
0: Sorry about that. We're about 45 minutes in. So um, Okay. how many slides you have? We may want to skip over the breakout room, um, just depending yeah, on. Yeah.
1: Let's just skip. Yeah. Let's just skip over. OK. And then we'll combine it with the last break, breakout session. OK. So, this is uh, the slide where it's the main approach that I use uh, based on that OCR model, layering this um, funding model. So, uh, now, one of the essentials in funding here is to Uh, when you fund the product you just don't fund the product for planning and building but you also fund the product to run it and we often miss that piece in our project budget so when the project is over the IT team struggle with the support run and evolve so main point here uh, takeaway is to really focus on all three areas, and understand what the talents and gearing ratio. Gearing ratio is very important. For example, um, how many projects a Scrum Master should handle, or how many teams a Scrum Master should handle, how many teams an Agile coach should handle. Because if we don't get the gearing ratio right, it can throw the um, OPEX off the chart. For product development team, they're mostly capitalized, can be capitalized. But Scrum Master, Product Owner, Agile Coach, these are essentially expense. So we really need to manage the expense through the right gearing ratio that everybody agrees to across enterprise. Otherwise, if one team says I'll give four teams to a Scrum Master and other teams says two, then it creates that um, complexity uh, during the budgeting process. And also, it should include the hardware and software piece of it. So you can see that Discover My Needs gets a larger share of funding then complete my purchase. As the first one is more critical, business identified, it was more critical for them to compete and differentiate in the marketplace. And by funding your business capabilities, Now, the finance and business partners can see how the investment are directly supporting critical business outcome, which is measured in OKR. Now, for a customer portal, that needs to be continuously running and any downtime will have a negative reputation for the company, you wanna make sure that your product team and ops team are funded for plan, build, and run and also update, upgrade. So that's kind of essential. And traditionally, whenever I start the conversation with the finance team, it's hard for them to sell the idea of plan, build, run, because they never use the idea. And that's where you run into uh, convincing them about including run. And that's when you need the support from uh, leaders from the CIO uh, CIO office, if CIO himself or herself, if not them. Because they really need to drive that conversation with the CFO and business. Because at the end of the day, they're responsible for managing the customer experience through the operations and from the security and everything. And this is a way when you add this this slide over the previous slide, you get the complete picture of OKR and OKR-based product funding. Mm-hmm.
0: And how often, um, one of the questions we have here is, how often do you adjust the budget? Is it quarterly, annually, monthly?
1: So it depends. So in, for one of my clients I've seen, they look at every quarterly. They set the budget yearly, and then they look at quarterly. And for my other clients I've seen, they look at yearly, quarterly, and monthly.
0: Okay, so they fund the product for the year, quarterly they check performance, and then Mm -hmm. monthly is really um, saying where are we? Are we over budget, in budget? And um, so what, what strikes me about your presentation here is that i think from the from the agile coach scrum master you know us in the on the ground perspective it's a simple conversation of move from what the business wants to do to what the business the impact the business wants to have but when you're mm-hmm. having that conversation with finance and you're having that conversation with with the current people in your company who are driving the budget, determining the budget, and the way they run it, it's a much more complicated conversation. So mm-hmm. what you're showing us is how to have the conversation with finance because they don't when you use words like outcomes, impacts, product, they don't care about that stuff. They don't care about plan building. Mm-hmm. What they care about is I need to know where this line item is because this is what I'm reporting. So you're showing us how to connect that conversation with finance Mm -hmm. to what we already know on the ground. And I agree Mm -hmm. this is important because too many of us are just saying, fund the product, fund teams. But we're not explaining to them how to do that and still make their world work.
1: yeah and in one of my clients i was delivering this agile review uh training to the entire um, cfo organization and cfo and his directs also attended and they started talking about how can we track the capex and opex because they're like we can get our hands around uh, tracking because they're coming from all over, and we're constantly in meetings with the teams and the auditors. And I'm like, have, with the agile, if you're managing everything through JIRA or Rally, that's your uh, single source of truth. And you pick up the data by sprints and uh, the developers and Scrum Master, they're um, booking their time, and you can easily sort it out in one Excel spreadsheet, and you can pretty much close your book every day. And the person responsible for CapEx and OpEx, she literally couldn't believe. So I had to meet with her a couple of times, and once she grasped the whole concept and how simple it is, for her to track across the enterprise she almost got teary
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it reduces the complexity a ton um when we can just say okay these features are capex these features are opex. we don't need to know minute by minute what you're doing just know that if you if you're working on these features mm-hmm. this is capex these are opex. yeah and just spend your time doing the work not reporting so that um, the finance group can know where to put your your time.
1: So this one um, is essentially for us to use as our cheat sheet. Because when you're moving from uh waterfall method and how do you explain the new process to your finance and IT partners or PMO. Uh, I find this is a great cheat sheet. I um got it from Agile Alliance. They they have a they had a work stream to work on Agile budgeting and funding. So I would encourage uh the participants to go into Agile Alliance and dig out the documents. uh, And it has all the guidelines that an accountant or CFO office need to start working towards Agile funding. So as you can see here, um, project stage, cost allocation, and release. So anything within the preliminary stage like uh what we call uh spring zero they all kind of fall in the expense bucket and once the spring one kicks off it pretty much everything is capital it kind of it depends also on the uh, organization whether they want to capitalize the spring review meeting or daily stand up but everything else can be capitalized so it also gives the benefit to the finance organization to capitalize more with some evidence through jira or devops pipeline because everything is documented there
0: Thank you, and then Marco has a um, question, if you wanna go ahead and unmute Marco. Marco, uh, you do you have a question?
2: No, sorry about that, that was a mistype.
0: Oh, okay, sorry, you had your hand raised, so I was just checking in. Um, my,
2: bad, my bad, but there was a question in the chat.
0: Yes. And the question that we have in the chat, um, there was one that said, um, basically, so if we did this funding by, I'll start with team. If we we do funding by team and we just say, this team cost us $30,000 a sprint and we know what feature the team is working on. They don't actually have to book their time then they just know, well, that that sprint costs $30,000, and we apply that to this feature, which applies to CapEx. So it actually reduces the time of the team trying to fill in. What we're doing today is booking time so they can go to someone's spreadsheet so they can do their accounting. Mm-hmm. And so here, it's more the product owner saying, here's the feature we're working on. Um, and so it's, it makes it much simpler to actually keep time. And um, Marco said that we can reverse engineer your spin from the features backwards, which Mm. is that same same concept. So there is a question um, from Alina about what, does it depend on what the capital threshold is? And um, if you need explanation of her question, she can jump in with that.
1: Um, it does because um, capital and expense they are um, already assigned to your team, and how you're using it, it's on to you. But once you cross the threshold, then there needs to be a conversation between uh, your leader, you, and the finance, and justify it, right? But um, as Sherry mentioned about estimating sprints, how much money you have, and what feature and what set capacity looks like, uh, you should have a good idea about your runway. How far can you go with this money?
0: And then, so by capitalization threshold, just for those who, these capital thresholds, there's a lot of financial terms going around here. Mm. That first slide with the OKRs, where we said I'm funding a product, and this portion of it is capex, and this portion of the money is opex. That's the threshold.
1: Mm.
0: That the is about?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if, if I can chime in here, the challenge that we had were when we every sprint the team would go to production. When finance um, got their hands on on that breakdown, basically the request was to switch from the capital model to expense for those product teams because the business would get benefit, I guess, every sprint. And it was a smaller portion of the product development and they would get faster value. So they wouldn't be able to amortize over five-year period. But I know there's a lot of financial terms here. And I mean, mm. continue discussions that uh, we're currently having with the finance team within the organization. So I just wanted to see what other, other organizations are doing potentially in that space. Uh, okay. Anyone who has experience, if, you can chime in.
0: There's a comment in the chat also about some of the experience. Um, From my experience, there's a mismatch between the populations. Mm -hmm. So finance people are concerned about stability and predictability. Mm -hmm. Company, I'm assuming, not the product. (laughs) And product teams are concerned about growth and customer satisfaction. And I'm sure stability of Mm -hmm. shelf. So Mm -hmm. how can you ensure that those two departments are having the right conversations?
1: And um, yeah, and
0: go ahead. That's from Isame.
1: Hi, Isame. So this is a great question, Uh, and that's where uh, when the conversation starts from uh, what do we need to achieve for the organization as a whole, then the silos go away. So the finance then talk about okay, let's talk about how can I enable the product team to deliver the OKR versus, uh, oh, I look for this and you look for that, and we don't align. Because uh, from the systemic perspective, we're part of the enterprise system and we all need to work together and complement each other to achieve the customer and business goals. And that's why it is important to educate the stakeholders about OKR and OKR-based funding before we get into the details around CAPEX, OPEX, and reporting. Thank you. So we're at the end. Um, If we have time, we can have a quick breakout room or we can uh, move to discussion around what are some of the common pitfalls to avoid.
0: I'm actually getting the sense that what might be more helpful than breakout rooms is that we just have some open Mm -hmm. forum questions because this is a... Talking finance, there's so much complication in finance that the average person doesn't experience. So um, I'm thinking that just some some questions out loud where we can all get the yeah. might be helpful.
1: Excellent, uh, that's great uh, feedback. Thank you,
0: Sherry. Anybody want to? Um, do you want to do your pitfalls and then we can do questions?
1: Well, I think uh, the question is already coming around that. Um, so, just a high level that before we start the conversation, we really need to uh, manage the relationship and uh, follow a cross functional approach. So, uh, find a cha- your champion or sponsor who can uh, facilitate the conversation and bring in Uh, key stakeholders from other team and build a cross-functional team to drive the discussion and um, select one small area uh, to focus on and then use this as your pilot and then scale that pilot design to other teams. And um, this is a couple of things that uh, there are a lot of words here. A uh, couple of things that I want to uh, highlight here. Uh, look at um, the your organization's risk tolerance to change. So, being in that change management um, side of agile coaching, um, to make sure that uh, people are. Uh, not scared or the change is metered appropriately
3: Any
0: comments or
2: thoughts on this? Just um, a comment from my side. It would actually help if we could see an example of um, how this way of accounting looks like. On a, on a kind of sheet, just as a, to, to, in my understanding, it's just an additional view you can use to keep track of your um, expenses, if you're budgeting, if you're, um, how you're doing financially in a project, if you want to take a product-oriented view, but other areas in the company will need to um, um, have their classical financial accounting breakdowns of the expenses. And the those frameworks like Transform, Run, Grow, I've worked many years at, at um, at a company called Gartner, and they use that framework um, a lot. in our analysis and consulting, it's a, uh, I mean, we use it a lot, but it's just um, to give another perspective on how we're doing with our budgeting. Maybe to shift the conversation when we have to do, make difficult choices about um, um, targeting our f- um, um, uh, funding towards um, other products, stuff like that. But um, it's still necessary to have multiple perspectives on how we're doing with our funding for the purpose of tracking, but especially for the purpose of strategic planning. When you plan ahead two, three, four years down the map, what are you going to do with your product roadmap and your portfolio, etc.? And so if you could have an example, it doesn't have to be today, but it would, for me, greatly help me with the understanding of how um, you know this helps in companies. What I see is no matter how fancy and nice and uh, and modern and 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 you know cool the frameworks are um, they don't help with the communication internally especially with the with um, with the financial departments and because um, um, they don't they just speak a different language they want to have their their numbers um, according to their own frameworks I don't know if my comment makes any sense but um, uh,
1: no, I, I, I think uh, you're, you're very right. Um, and I have run into these uh, issues too. End of the day, the accounting rules, the gap accounting rules uh, have not changed. And it's the same project accounting rule that we apply to project management too. And Agile Alliance, their working paper um, support this. I think the conversation, it's reframing the conversation with finance that you're going to get same information and how do you roll that information up into your own format, right? So one of my clients, they use Jira to collect all the data around sprint and release and they have created their own template to transform those data to fit into their ledger and accounting reporting and it depends uh, it varies from client to client and it also depends on which industry you are in which country you are in because the accounting rules is different are different by country to country
0: And when there's a question from Catherine in, in Norway. Um, how often have you experienced successfully implementing this with clients?
1: So, so far I have done uh, five full-scale transformation. Um, and as consultant, I never get to spend uh, more than a year with a clients. As soon as the uh, transformation job is done, uh, we move over move to another client um so i have got uh the opportunity to help clients to start this pilot and setting up all the artifacts and playbooks and making all the changes in their uh, time tracking tool or project management tool to create that uh, link between their accounting and projects
0: So it, it sounds like it takes a lot of work to get them. There's a lot of moving pieces just to, just to get them started and set up. And then then they can go on a run basis from there. There's not a install this. There's a lot of how's this going to work at your company. There's a concept
1: in the mm-hmm. application. Yeah. And in my experience, it takes about three months to design the finance, uh, product, uh, OKR-based financing, uh, funding model, and then another couple of months to implement.
0: Awesome. Do you have more slides or should we pull this down and invite people in for a conversation?
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, that's the end of my slides.
0: So why don't we stop? And then that way people can see one another. And anybody else, we've got some open time. We've probably got about 10 minutes that we can take questions. So if you have questions, happy to to answer those. Other comments? Um, I see there's one in the um, chat box. Mar- Marcelo says that he's undertaken this with three clients so far um, and he's a year and a half in with his current client and it takes a lot of tilling the soil <laughs> um, so how <laughs> quickly you can do this might vary yeah
3: thank- and I just want to say thank you for actually putting on this this session because even though I've had conversations with your business partner Alex about this there are times where I'm saying this is I must be crazy I must be the only one who sees this but I'm glad that Imran came on because a lot of the stuff that he's there is just firing off bells in my head that I must not be crazy.
0: I think it's very common that we all see a problem with the way things are funded. Right? Why are you funding projects when we should be looking at products? the The challenge is how do how do we have the conversation to help you understand and us understand how to move. I, I think we're, we're really clear on it needs to move, but then there's so little ability to have the conversations because let's face it, accounting is complicated and it it's complicated by state. It's complicated by country. And then, you know, there are people who go to college to be in accounting. (laughs) Most agile coaches don't go to college to be accountants. So there's a huge gap in our ability to have the conversation.
3: Isn't there one challenge? And, And I think it's something that the inflation in, uh, in it into more strategic product development efforts versus traditional plant and equipment, uh, you know, product, uh, Uh, engineering you know which doesn't have these problems or doesn't have the same degree of these problems is that isn't it that we're asking kind of traditional IT shared service type organizations to now start doing things that traditional line of business plant product organizations would be doing and they just have a much more rigorous uh, operational environment they're not having to share services in the same way, or if they do, they're just cost center charge outs. And that's just how it is. Um, I don't know what your feeling is about that. It's It's been a thing I've seen reoccurring for the last eight to 10 years. And I think that's part of the change management problem.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of, you're very right. And a lot of times I got caught into the middle of discussion between Uh, the legacy system and how do we fund the infrastructures uh, when we are talking about one product line and uh, multiple product lines sharing uh, one legacy system, for example, mainframe, how do we fund the mainframe? Um, So yeah, I mean, it really gets um, complicated. Um, I I think that's where a lot of the coaching skill comes in, that creating that relational dialogue and understanding how much they each other rely on one particular system and how they want to share that load. Because if, uh, for finance organization, mainframe still plays a key role and how do you keep that beast, continue to feed.
3: But But, but using that example, if you had a SCADA system in manufacturing generally speaking, that's not being funded by the CIO's organization, right? That's being funded directly into, you know, plant maintenance and operations and the MRO budgets. And Mm -hmm. what I'm really asking is, as as we are bending quote unquote technology into more products, um, you know, is this where products really belong? Do they really do belong in the CIO's organization versus you know the way you have plant operations, you know, or service operations, you know, like you warehouse operations, etc.
1: Yeah, I, I think the using product is kind of um, creates a um, confusion, confusion, right? Because uh, for your purpose, plant operations and CIO and product and the way I see the definition of product here is any outcome that we're delivering to contribute to business and customer so if you can have that flexibility to flex the definition of product to make sure it makes sense for your organization product you know we just use product I don't know when it got started, but uh, for my organization that I'm currently supporting, their operations team. So what product they're supporting? All the products of the bank.
3: Exactly. So so I think one of the challenges is if you, yeah. if you look if you looked at the chart of accounts, and you try yeah. to actually find the discounted depreciation rate, you wouldn't see it on those things that the CIO is calling product. And I think that's a huge gap that you yeah. would have in other aspects, in a, even in a bank. You know, a core banking would still
2: mm-hmm. be
3: defined in CapEx terms, right? And mm-hmm. Versus doing uh, customer experience, new UXs, I mean, you could try to graph mm-hmm. that on in some sort of way, but it's not the same yeah. as, you know, ATM operations, ATM maintenance, core banking, linking to ATMs, et cetera. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, you're very right. And it kind of, we
1: have to take it on context. like con- Like, what is that context? And how do we apply these principles in that context? Because there's no one solution to all the problems as you right you said Aaron. and who's the right person to lead the conversation um, in mike's ex- example um i brought it cio but if it is the planned operations executives because there are a lot of those uh, they're the most impacted person from the traditional way of budgeting and cost cutting measure Um, then that person should lead the charter.
3: Yeah, and it's a great point, because when you are running plant and manufacturing, if demand changes, well, your operational spend changes. A lot of times, Mm -hmm. a lot of these technology product projects, they just keep going independent of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, you wouldn't mm-hmm. be doing that, right? They wouldn't be calibrated to top line and bottom line um, mm-hmm. versus quote unquote legacy or more traditional product and operations uh, CapEx driven functions.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that's a gap, right? It's a gap that, that it makes it challenging on an accounting basis because they, they kind of go into their own bucket independent of the rest of of, uh, of, of depreciating assets and investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. And I would add to it
1: that we just have, as, as a coach, we need to create the awareness among these uh, stakeholders that it's not you versus me in this system, we're all in it together. And what is that we're supporting? What is our common goal? And how we're we going to tackle it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Imran. This has been really, um, it's been great, it's been eye-opening, it's been mind-blowing, and probably a bit confusing <laughs> um, because the topic is is so it's it's extremely complicated, and it makes me. Um, I think I have sat back today for the first time and said, oh yeah, it's really apparent that Imran has an MBA and I don't. Um, and probably some of you others who really get this. Like this, these are the things that um, your traditional, I was a scrum master, now I'm an agile coach and now I'm an enterprise coach. And there's a um, a question here of, wow, am I really equipped to be doing the work I'm doing? Um, because often we jump into this space and we're like, yep, we think, I know Agile. I'm going to go tackle finance. Well, but yeah, but do you know finance? Because there's the gap right there. We have, you have to understand not just Agile because we'll push our way on doing things and we don't even understand your way. And this is bigger than just engineering and product. There's the rest of the company that still has a different way of accounting. So if you're not going to change the whole company, we've got other things to talk about. So um, I really appreciate you bringing this in. Um, if, If nothing else, I think that it's introduced the complexity to a lot of us who may not have really understood that there was complexity or how complex this space really is. So I really appreciate that. Um, and so just as a closing note to everyone, um, of course, you can find Imran on LinkedIn and hit him up for more of his expertise. Um, and if you have not yet taken your ACSM or CSP Scrum Master and you'd like to get a little bit more insight into um, just have running an agile organization from a lot of different perspectives. And I will say that there is absolutely nothing about finance in either one of these courses. And now I'm starting to question, hmm maybe I should go add something and get Imran to help me. Um, but um, here's a discount code that you can use and you can find our courses on Academy. And we wanna thank you for being here. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed the session today. And we'll be having another um, session in just t- actually, it's going to be three weeks because it, two weeks from now is a holiday in the US. So, our next um, meetup is going to be on July 11th. And we're going to have um, Harris Christopoulos from Greece. And he is going to be presenting on a topic of the why of a retrospective. So it's the stories behind the retrospective, and the the major part of this is, well, why do you choose the retrospective you're choosing? Are we just grabbing some retrospective and saying, well, we want to do things differently, or are you? Is there a real reason for selecting the these? type of retrospective and the individual retrospective you're doing that session. So we hope you'll join us for that. Um, starts at the same time, and um, we'll see. You. And this recording will be available in just a few weeks. We um, post them on our website. Um, every. We post post them up every couple of weeks. So it should be coming out within the next month.